series is called Get Baptized. And um, will you bow your heads with me, please, guys? Thank you. Dear God, thank you for filling your spirit in this place, Lord. We believe in you now to do a great and mighty thing in our hearts as we listen to your message through Pastor Terrence. Thank you, Lord, for being present. In the name of Jesus, we praise you. Amen. Let's give God a praise one more time. You can be seated. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to New Movement. I'm so glad that you are here to be a part of this second part of our series, uh, of this series, Get in the Flow. And I'm really excited for what God is doing as we've launched our church and as we are beginning to seek God in this season and what he wants us to do and what he wants us to do to hear. And so I'm really excited about this message today. As I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, I've been feeling this need to really return to the Bible, to get back to scripture because I believe scripture has power. And I believe scripture can teach us what we need for life. And so we'll give you a heads up. We have a lot of scriptures to look at today. If you did not bring a Bible with you, all you have to do is download our app. And on our app, there is a Bible that you can use. And it should be set to the NLT version. That's the New Living Translation. That's the version that we normally use. But I hope that this is clear. And I know if you're not familiar with the Bible, not sure where everything is, it's okay. We're going to put it on the screen for you. And I'm going to walk it through to you and hopefully make sure that you can hear it as clean and as clear as possible. So I'm going to pray one more time and we're going to get into our message. Lord, thank you so much for today, for everything that has happened, for everyone you've brought today. And I pray as you are speaking to them about whatever their next steps are, that you would make it clear, that you would be uh, melt their hearts, like they would know this is the best decision they could ever make. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're in this series called Get in the Flow. And basically what we're talking about is accepting the life that Jesus has for us. Jesus has a life for us that he wants us to have. We're created for his glory. We're created in his image. You were not made by mistake. There was nothing about a mistake about you. God was intentional about you when he brought you into this earth to fulfill a purpose. And the enemy knows that. And that's why he works so hard to destroy that, to take that from you. That's why he works so hard uh, to destroy families, uh, to crumble nations, to crumble churches. But we just believe that there is a life that Jesus wants us to have. There's a life that he is desiring of us, that God is not a taker, but he's a giver. He wants us to receive an abundant life, and not just in this life, but in the life to come. And so there's a life that he wants for us, but the thing is, we got to accept it. We have to choose it. And when we're talking about this word flow, I grew up, of course, in a hip-hop nation. I'm a hip-hop kid. A lot of you guys have grown up in that. When you hear the word flow, That immediately for me, you know, it comes back to the cypher. We would stand around and we would rap and we would let those lyrics just flow out of us. And whatever we said was amazing and show-stopping. Or if we were battling somebody, we we was like, man, he can flow. Well, you know, there's a flow that comes from the mouth of God as well. It's called his grace. That the flow is his grace because we all need grace. 
And as I started this series, I started last week, we started with what we, the first step, because what we're talking about is five decisions that you need to make that will keep you in his grace. That flow is his grace. Speaking a word of forgiveness, speaking words of restoration over you. God's words can bring life back to dry bones. God's words can bring life back to dying messages, life back into a parenting season that you're in. So these five decisions is what we've been ta- we're going to be talking about over the next five weeks that keep you in that flow, that keep you in his grace. The first one we talked about last week was get started, right? We just talked about sometimes you just got to get started. A lot of times we think about things to do. We plan things. We have big ideas, intentions, right? Shoulda, coulda, woulda. But we never got started. Sometimes we just have to get started. And we talked about that last week. Sometimes you just got to say, I'm going to start with you. I'm just going to receive the life that you asked. It's not going to be perfect, but you don't, you know what? You don't have to worry about being perfect. God puts you and invites you into a family, a local church to journey with you, to walk with you. Guess what? To get on your nerves, to make you mad, right? Because sometimes the life that God wants, if you could have done it by yourself, you wouldn't need God. So some challenges and some pushes that come from people are there to perfect you and to change you and to help you. And so this week, I want to talk about getting baptized. That's the next step. That's another decision that some of you need to make. Some of you have already made. I heard last week, uh, I want to celebrate even now, help me celebrate last week that someone decided I'm going to get baptized. Isn't that amazing? I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about their decision. So today I want to talk about getting baptized. I want to start off right away and tell you about what baptism is. Baptism is a symbol of a decision to accept the life Jesus wants for you. It's just a symbol of a decision that you made to accept the life Jesus wants for you. Now, I want to show you this picture because I've been hearing some of you say it's cold, cold outside. Now, I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I've got a few people here from Minneapolis, Minnesota. My family's here, my little brother. Well, he's not my little brother anywhere anymore. He's my little big brother. Here, come up here and stand up and show him that you're my little big brother. Don't make sense. What happened? I don't know how the gene skipped me. This is my little big brother. He's been here before. Chef Gerard. Does this make sense? Does this make sense to anybody? I don't get it. His birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. All of his friends are from Minneapolis that are here. So when I talk about cold, I know about cold. And the coldest time I've ever been was in Chicago, Illinois. Now, this is a picture of Chicago that was taken two days ago. I was with my, one of my best friends. We were in Chicago, and I did not properly prepare him for Chicago cold because Chicago cold is a different kind of cold. Anybody know? Can I get a witness on that? It, it will blow right through your bones. It will pierce right through you. And when I was in Minneapolis, when I was in Chicago, I had to dress like this, right? I had, well, I didn't have the Seahawks on at the time. But I had, I had to dress warm. 
I had a jacket, much like this. Let me get my jacket. I had a jacket like this. I had a scarf because it's so cold that there were some decisions that you needed to make. Right? I don't care how cute you are. I don't care what club you plan on going to later that night. I don't care what you were wearing. It's so cold, you got to make a decision to wear some warm clothes. Now, the good thing, though, about living in cold weather is that you get to come inside to warm weather, right? So when you came inside, you were able to take off your coat, take off your your hat, take off your scarf, because you can't keep your mouth, you know, exposed in that kind of weather. Now, how ridiculous would it be as warm as it is in the house or in the building or even in this room for me to wear all of this? Right? And how ridiculous would it be for me to still be wearing this coat in the middle of a Tri-Cities triple-digit summer? That would look ridiculous, wouldn't it? Look, if you walk into the church with a coat this big right now, I'm going to have some deacons escort you outside and pat you down, okay? We're not playing up in here. <laughs> you, you'd be confused if somebody showed up with a trench coat and all this kind of stuff inside warm weather. So I want, I want to symbolize something about a decision. Let me put this, this point up here on the, on the um, what's anonymous point that says this person. You are only one decision away from a totally different life. See, I'm wearing this coat to symbolize something. Because when Jesus asks you to accept a life, when you make a decision to follow him, you are changing climates. Because if I'm out in the cold, I need this kind of attire. I need to wear a coat because I cannot handle the environment. I cannot handle the conditions around me. How many of y'all know that this is a cold world? Like, because there's some people who feel comfortable in the cold. And I think that there's something wrong with them. Talk about extreme cold. You're not supposed to be comfortable in cold weather. You're supposed to be uncomfortable. And see, when you're in cold weather, you need something to keep you warm because your body cannot keep up with the environment. I'm here to tell you that you do not belong to this cold world. You shouldn't feel comfortable in this cold world. It should bother you. It should push you. It should hurt you. This should make you something that feels uncomfortable about this world. But here's the deal. When Jesus invites you to a life that he wants you to live, you come inside. What happens is you don't technically literally come inside but what God can do is change the thermostat around you so you can handle the coldness of the world you can handle what this life has to offer you but with a peace that only God gives but what happens is there's too many people who have said I have accepted Jesus but they still got all this on they have not left the life that they left behind. They are still wearing what they needed outside. And what Jesus is saying is, I have a life for you that allows you to take off what you thought was keeping you comfortable. 
take off what you got used to. Take off the things that you were leaning on to help you survive. And I'm inviting you to allow me to lead your life in a way that I can set the thermostat and the temperature of your existence. Okay, I'm going to put this back. Because it's too hot to be preaching and all of that. Real talk. So I want to I show you some things about what this looks like. Because getting in the flow and getting baptized is a decision you make to remain in the flow. And as that, that quote just said, there are, there's sometimes we're only one decision away from something that will change the complete trajectory of our life. One relationship, one dance. One booty call, one late night out, right? One job application away from a completely different life. And I think there's something about allowing Jesus to lead you, allowing Jesus to help you in the decisions that you need to make. So I want to tell you something back here in, or in the book of Matthew. And this tells us and shows us when Jesus got baptized. Now, this is interesting. Now, first we read in uh, Matthew chapter 3, we hear about this man named John the Baptist. And the Bible says, John, uh, in those days, John the Baptist came uh, to Judea, the Judean wilderness, and began to preach this. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What he's saying is that my kingdom or excuse me, the kingdom of heaven has come to us. It's time to repent. It's time to change because God is bringing his kingdom close. And he was basically the hype man for Jesus. You ever seen a, a, a rapper and he's rapping, you got the other guy in the back, you know, going, yeah, that's right, doing all the hits. John was the hype man for Jesus. He was pumping up the coming king. And so one day, John is, John is out there baptizing. This is John chapter 3, now to verse 13. Then it says, Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to take, talk him out of it. I don't blame John at all. Jesus walking up to me and says, can you baptize me? I'm like, this is a joke, right? No, you're not. You're, this is a trick question. You're not getting me caught up in this, Jesus. I'm not worthy I'm not going to, because see, the message was repent and be baptized. So you could see John hesitating. Maybe, we don't know what he said. Maybe he said, Jesus, I don't know if it's a good look. I don't think he talked to his cousin like that. He was his cousin. But he was confused about this decision that Jesus made. But Jesus says, no, I need to be baptized. He says, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? That's what John says. But Jesus says, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Jesus at that was not being baptized for his sin, but he was showing us that there was a requirement for something, that there was an expectation that his father had of him that needed to happen with baptism. It wasn't for his sins. Jesus did not sin, but he needed to still be baptized. Can I just help somebody that baptism for some of you is not something you can bypass. I'm not talking about people who don't even know what baptism is. I'm talking about some of you need to see what this step is. And that's why I'm talking about it today. So Jesus gets baptized and this is what happens. 
Verse 16, after his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened up and he saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. At this moment, the spirit of God, the full Godhead, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit were present. And the Holy Spirit is descending on him in front of all of these people to show the people that he was the Messiah. He was the anointed one. And from this moment, his ministry began. This was his inauguration. This was the beginning of his public ministry. Now, remember, Jesus is 30 years old. He's been building cabinets and building furniture and laying in the background chilling until the time was right so this baptism ushered in for him a call to his ministry it is the same thing for us I want to unpack that a little bit let me break down some of the things that um, that this text is suggesting when John is saying to repent and asking the people to repent and to be baptized here's some of the things that's happening here first here's some steps I want to show you The first one is a repentance from self-leadership. A repentance from self-leadership. Understand that John says, repent. That precedes the baptism. In other words, something in their hearts are saying to them, I need to change. That feeling of I need to change, that feeling of things aren't right, that's a good sign. Your awareness that you are doing something wrong is a good sign. That means you are hearing the voice of God. That means you are recognizing that what you are leading yourself to do is leading yourself into destruction. And so the first step to that is to repent, to say, I'm done with completely relying on myself to lead myself. And then the next step of that is to accept or the acceptance of Christ's leadership. So you're saying, God, I want you to lead me. You're saying, Jesus, you're in charge. Jesus, you guide me to help me make the right decisions. And then finally is a commitment to Christ's mission. And we see that in the baptism of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm no longer leading myself. I am submitting myself to the will of the Father. And with this affirmation after his baptism, he began to carry out the mission of Christ. Does that make sense? So let's look at something else. I know you're thinking, what about me? What does it have to do with me? Let's go to Romans. It's another book in the New Testament. Romans chapter 4. Starting with verse 4 and 5. Bible says when people work, their wages are not a gift. Right? That's good news. When I go to work, don't treat me like this is a gift. I earn this money. But something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. In other words, you can't earn salvation. You can't work yourself into heaven. You can't work yourself into good favor with Jesus. And in fact, you can't afford the price. And that's the very reason why Jesus died for us. So Paul keeps teaching here in in, uh, chapter 5, chapter 5, verse 1. So therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, in other words, believing 
that God is offering us this better life. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. And when we now stand, we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. So look at this. When you're giving your life to God, when you're allowing Jesus to lead you, even your problems are helping you. Even your trials are helping you. Even your pain is actually help. God, God recruits trials and says, let's use this to help them get better. Look what he says. He says that it helps you develop your endurance. Let's see. Oh, yeah. We can, I'm just going to read. I lost my way. Okay, here we go. Helps you endurance your endurance. Verse 4. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For when we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fulfill our hearts with his love. I'm going to keep reading. When we, are, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for sin, us sinners. Now, we, no, no, now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. Did, did you see that? So, so the gift in, of, of salvation is not after we have somehow willed ourselves to stop sinning. It's our awareness that we're doing something that we need help. And Jesus says, I'm going to take care of the salvation part of this while you're still trying to get it right. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of the son of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with, of God. Let me go back to those points I just shared with you again because I want you to see this again. That it starts with a repentance of self-leadership. Sometimes your worst enemy is you. Let's just be honest. Somebody told you, don't do that. And you came up with a hundred reasons why you were right. And guess what? We got trouble. Starts with saying, I, I'm willing to give up my, my need to lead myself all of the time. Acceptance of Christ's leadership in my life. Jesus, you lead me and a commitment to his mission. See, that's what it feels like to get in the flow. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you just, everything just changes overnight. It just simply means I've got someone leading me that's leading me to my best life. Not the life I'm trying to piece and hold together. Because the life you're trying to piece and hold together will fall apart if you're in charge of it. So, let me show you some other good stuff here. So, Baptism is about making a decision 
to say, I'm responding to something that's happening in me that's telling me I need to surrender my life for Jesus. And now I'm going to publicly show this. I'm going to publicly give myself away to his service. I love the evangelist and the prophet Beyonce. As she prophesied in her epistle, her song, if you like it, you should have put a ring on it. In that song, she is philosophically and theologically uh, developing a construct to explain to her partner at that time that there was a lack of commitment in her area. She noticed the worth of herself. Uh, she's doing some self-evaluation and existentially understands, <laughs> let me finish this, understands her position and she understands that this brother is not going to make a commitment to her. And so her response to this is to, to put herself in a public place for others to know and for him to know that she is no longer available to this brother. And so her, her reply, and she really summarized this philosophical statement by saying, if you liked it, can you, do y'all know, this, do y'all know this, this, this text? It's not really in the Bible, but if you like it, you should have what? You should have made a decision. It's what she's saying. You were one decision away from the best life that you could have had with Beyonce. And what I'm trying to say is, Beyonce ain't got nothing on Jesus. And Jesus is trying to put a ring on it. He's trying to say, I'm committed to you, and I want you to be committed to me. He says, I want you to, I want everybody to know that you are my girlfriend. I, a girlfriend or, I'll never forget it. It's too, okay, the metaphor there, I know it's a little weird, men to say we're married for Jesus. I was trying to avoid that, but just... Just deal with it for now, okay? Because really, it's the, best, it's the best description of what baptism is. Like, I understand if somebody wants to marry you, but nobody, like, marries you in a closet and then don't tell nobody, right? Like, like nobody's like, hey, you want to get married? You're like, yes, and they propose, and like, where's the wedding? Are we just going to kind of do it right now? Just here's the ring, and don't tell nobody we married. Like, that don't make sense. Look at the lace. No, no. That is not fair. No, baptism says, yep, that's right. I made a decision to give my life to Jesus, and I want everybody to know. And so in Matthew uh, 28, Jesus gives us some instructions as a church because, as I mentioned, that a part of this decision is to be committed to his mission, and God does his mission through the church. And so the Bible gives us this beautiful scene with his disciples as he's getting ready to transition into a different ministry. And so he tells his disciples here, I'll just read off the the screen. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What's the instructions here? To baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands I have given you, right? Teach them to obey. Why do they need to obey his commands? Because his way of life comes with his instructions. And he's telling them, I need you to teach them. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end 
of the age. He wanted his disciples to bear fruit. What he wanted his disciples to do is to make other disciples. In other words, for some of you who have been baptized, your job is not to sit down and chill. Your job is not to sit in a pew and relax and rejoice that you've been baptized. Because let me explain. Let me go back and say this one more time. Baptism is a part of your salvation. It's not your salvation. This is why we don't teach and we don't practice infant baptism. Because an infant has no conscious or aware of sin or the need to repent. Baptism comes with repentance. We don't practice that. What we practice is dedication. We bring a child and dedicate them to the Lord. But we don't practice infant baptism. Maybe some of you have been baptized as an infant, and that's okay. It wasn't like you asked for it, right? You were an infant. But baptism comes with a cognitive understanding that I'm making a decision. And so Jesus is now saying, I need you, since if some of you have been baptized, to get in the game, to get on a team, and to help someone else live their best life. And so Jesus also says here in John chapter 15, I love what he says like this. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm just going to stop right there at that particular verse. Let me just put up my last, my last point here. This is what I want you to understand what a life full of fruit looks like. Because maybe you're wondering, well, what is that going to look like? What is, it, what is it supposed to look like after I've been baptized? What is, what is the point? Why, why, what's going to change about me? See, a life after baptism is a life lived for Jesus. It's a life saying, Jesus, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do everything you ask me to do, even if it's hard, because I trust that your way is better. A life lived uh, after baptism is a life lived for his church. It's a part of the team that is helping others connect and be with Jesus. And a life lived after baptism is a life lived for his world. That the church is not something we keep to ourselves. The church is not what we do on a weekend. It's who we are in the world. And it means we come out into the bitter, freezing, negative five degree Chicago weather without a coat. And they say, what is wrong with you? How in the world can you survive this bitter political climate? How in the world can you survive this bitter economic turmoil? How in the world can you survive that death in your family? You say, I'll tell you how to survive. You need to be warmed on the outside. I'm running hot on the inside because the Holy Spirit is leading my life. I want to close with this text. I love this text in Hebrew, because see, the thing about following Jesus as it takes faith, it really does. It, it takes faith to accept the fact that Jesus is really saying that he wants you, even though you're messed up. And it takes faith to believe that even while you don't have the strength to do what he's asking, that you're just going to get started. 
And when you make that decision to be baptized, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Baptism is really pretty. It's really special. But I'm not going to guarantee a dove's coming down from the sky. I'm just going to be honest. Right? I'm not, I'm not going to guarantee that I've never heard a voice booming from the atmosphere saying, hey, this is my beloved daughter who I'm well pleased. That, that would be amazing. I'd probably run out and let you finish baptizing yourself because I'd be a little terrified. No, but, but something does happen. And there are people who have gone through that experience and says, you know, I just feel different. I know that look in their eyes when I, when I pull them back out of the water. And something starts supernatural in their heart because they are saying he liked it and he put a ring on it. And I'm willing to be in partnership and relationship with him. I love this book of Hebrews. It has this hall of fame, this, these, this trophy of the greatest of all time in the faith. Not all of them are mentioned by name, but I love this passage as it breaks down this thing. It says, how much more do we need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised him. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured refusing to be turned from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in their better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed by the sword. Some went without wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them had received all that God had promised. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's some people who died for this. This decision they made, they said, I'm willing to be sawed in half. I'm willing to be persecuted. I'm willing to die for this because I believe in it so much. But God says, I, he says, I still didn't give them everything. Why didn't you give them everything? It seemed like they deserved it. You just said they were too good for this world. The scripture says, for God had something better in mind for us. So can I say it better? God had something in better in mind for you. So that you would not reach, they would not reach perfection without us. There's something God is waiting for. There is a life that God is ready to give. But he says, I'm going to wait until this thing is all finished. I'm going to wait until I've completed it. I'm going to wait until you and this generation is ready to meet me. And I love this picture. This picture of the second coming of Jesus. You see the angels coming down. You see the cities in the background, but you see families reunited. You see people coming up from the grave. You see this great reunion, and some of those people will be people who were sawed in half. 
people who died for Jesus and they're going to see you and they're going to look you in the face and they're going to be so excited because someone else made a decision to stand in this cold world for Jesus and they wouldn't turn their back and they wouldn't get turned around even though they made mistakes they got up time after time again and one of these days Jesus is coming back for those who are ready to meet him and there's going to be joy and there's going to be reunion and there's going to be celebration and we will all be with Jesus but can I just tell you it's too late to make that decision when he comes it'll be too late it'll be too late and so what we do today is while the Lord is speaking to us we say now's the time we do today is say now's the time to get started and maybe some of you God has been speaking to you he's been telling you you know what you need to respond to me I want you to go public I want you to let everybody know that you made a decision for me we're going to have a baptism in the first week of March and when we have these next step cards I want to walk this through to you real quick you can you can look at this in our app or look at, at the next steps tip we have it right here on this card that you can check. I want more information about Jesus. That means I want to get started. There's a spot here you can check. I want to be baptized. I want to know more about it. I want to know more about Girl Track, which we offer today, was a as a part of the discipleship process that you need to find and discover what God is sending you out to do. But some of you need to, today just need to understand that maybe you've already been baptized and you say I, I know I've been baptized but I'm not really living and feeling that freedom that I once felt and maybe you're saying I feel something even now I feel you speaking to me about me giving my life to you and all I want to do for you is pray I want to pray that you make your next step I don't know what your next step is today some of you you just need to get started some of you it is baptism but others it's for you to repent others it's for you to change and I want to pray for you today, whatever your next step is. Can I just ask you to bow your head and close your eyes? And when I want to help you as your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, that means nobody's looking at you. Nobody's worried about what you're going to do. There's no judgment in this room. I'm, I guarantee it's not like Planet Fitness. There's really no judgment in this house. And maybe you today are saying, Pastor, I just need you to pray for me so I can make my next step. If that's you, just put your hand in the air so I can see it. God bless you. Put it up. God sees you. Amen. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray right now for the hands that were lifted, that you will give them the strength and the courage to make their next step. I pray that for those who feel the spirit of God moving inside of them, calling them to make a decision that will change their life forever, that you will give them the power, give them the strength for them to know that you are with them. And Lord, may we leave here excited about the life that you have for us. And I pray right now for those who are making this decision for the first time. I'm praying for them, Lord, that they will accept the gift that you have for them. I speak against any evil spirit or any evil power that would try to persuade them that they're not worth it. Lord, you have proven to us today that you died why we were yet sinners. So give them victory, give them strength, give them joy, and let them know that they are safe in your arms. And this is what we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.